you hear good man think about the demeanor you have when you hear that you're just like hmm, thanks you know, mm. a bit. You hear real man chest comes up. You're yeah, yeah. You know? You're walking around the room. That, like, look at me. That's a compliment that you want to receive. Right. So how can we create an equal world where, or an equal feeling where you hear good man and you are equally as chest out. You're equally as you're wearing that compliment equal to a real man compliment. Right. Because that's where there's a quiet division. Is. I'm seeking more real man compliments and I, I don't really care for the good man compliments. I'm not here for the, the nice guy compliments because nice guys finish last or whatever narrative you're, you're subscribing to. Right. Hello, hello, hello everyone and welcome to the very first episode of the Modern Masculinity Podcast, a space we created to help redefine what it means to be a powerful man in the modern era. I'm so excited to be with you today. My name is Kyle, AKA CK, and this is my other co-host. I'm Anwar Ahmed, AKA A Squared. And we are here today to introduce you to the podcast. This is gonna be episode one, it's gonna be powerful, it's gonna be exciting. Welcome, welcome. welcome. We appreciate you being here and joining us on this journey. This is just the beginning. And before we even get into it, we start with a classic. Anwar, you know what time it is? Mood check! Hey yo, Coach Kyle, how are you feeling today, my guy? Listen, listen, listen. I'm sure you can all hear it in our voices, but this is episode one one butterflies man i'm feeling good it does not get any better and more exciting than that it gets a little anxious too right you feel a little rookie style you're not quite Definitely sure what you're doing syndrome. Ah, it's okay it though. all comes through but other than that somewhere honestly i woke up today knowing we were coming here to do this and i was excited i just woke up vibrant and that's how you know that's how you know that this is something that you really want to do and be a part of and it's a beautiful way to serve and I love, I love service. So I'm just excited. And I woke up, the sun was coming through. I felt great. It's just been a beautiful day. And with COVID in 2020, it's just anytime you can feel this excited, you know, like I haven't felt excited in a while. We've had a, you know, a bit of a down year, but the feeling that I feel right now, it's like all of that's out the window. Um, I've never had a pet before. I've no, I don't have any children, but this to, this feels like our baby, you know, Absolutely. and it feels like, when you have these thoughts and ideas in your mind for so long and they finally come to fruition, there's, there's a level of excitement that I can't describe. Um, but I feel that right now I'm Amen. excited to be here. And this is, this is come from a lot of backend work. Like we've been doing this for a while now, trying to create a lot this of work and a lot of people helping us, a lot of help people, this a lot of supports. And so we're just excited to finally bring this to all of you and to support you in your journeys. Let's do this. Let's do this. So episode one, we just want to create a foundation for all of you. We want to create an idea of what the podcast is going to be about. And as you can see by the title, we're talking about, are we even men right out of the gate? I think this is an interesting concept and there's definitions everywhere about this. If you try to Google, you know, what is a man, you just get a male. It's mm -hmm. kind of just what they say. And then you have to go into the blogs that are written that are all perception based on what a man is. And so we decided to instead define it with masculinity and that's where the title comes from. And so when you look into the concept of masculinity, you get this definition, a set of attributes, behaviors, and roles associated with boys and men. 
So again, not super helpful, but it continues. Although masculinity is socially constructed, research indicates that some behaviors considered masculine are biologically influenced. To what extent is subject to debate, whether it's biological or social. So with this definition, Anwar, are you, are you even a man? <laughs> you, even, you even think you're a man, bro? Listen, listen, listen. I'm a man. I'm a man. <laughs> but I think what you kind of were unraveling there and kind of is shedding light on is how complicated it can feel right. at times, especially when you're young and depending on your environment and depending on what society is telling you about who you're supposed to be in, it can get confusing. And I think that this is why the, the you know we created this podcast is to help redefine what it means for individuals and not just a gender you know it's not a one-size-fits-all i think there's many different types of men um, i know in my household like my father for example was a little bit more traditionally um he had cared a lot more feminine energy like he was very caring mm-hmm. he's very empathetic um he was the one who kind of showed a lot of compassion um understanding uh, so he showed he showed some of the natural female traits that are you know described out there. And my mom was actually you know the more assertive, the leader, the courageous, the mm, risk taker, the tough one. So for me, I was kind of getting it from opposite ends. Um, but then I would go out in society, and you would you know have these other narratives like tough, the man up, and mm. men don't cry, and and so it's just confusing as a kid um, for me. But what about for yourself? Do you ever feel like you attached to that for the boys and um, man up space when you grew up? Was that like something you were like, that's me? You know what? I never attached to it, but I never felt comfortable either. Mm. So it was like, I clearly know I'm not that, but I'm like, I'm not, maybe I'm going to not pretend to be that because I'm like being fake with my, how I feel kind of thing. Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm like, why don't I have this rage? I was the, one of the obvious ones was like toughness and like, I didn't have natural toughness as a kid. I was a bit more soft-spoken, a bit like, you know, I didn't have that. So when I would see that kind of like, don't cry and tough up, well, I had to reach for that. Like that wasn't like a, something that I possessed naturally. So I was like, man, like, I don't have this rage inside. I don't like want to, when I get angry, I don't want to punch things. I want to just solve problems. You know, like how can we, what's the easiest way to solve this problem without needing to get into like a physical, you know, I'm doing something physical. Um, and that might've been because of the household that I grew up in. It was a lot of, you know, talking and, um, I grew up with sisters and we always had conversations. So I never saw like, uh, I never saw my dad lash out, you know, I never saw my dad like punch something or whatever. So I wasn't really like stimulated by seeing men get aggressive. So for me, I was always just naturally cut, but then in the world I would see it. Um, and so you felt like you had to identify with it because it was in the world because that's what this world expected of me. Right. They, there was, there was so many, they, they expected me not to cry. They expected me to not show emotion. They expected me to just always have it under control. Um, and express it in unhealthy ways. And I, I resonate with that so deeply as I was preparing for this episode, I recognized that there was points in my life where I was bullied and I never really understood why up leading up until this podcast where I realized it was because I wasn't resonating and I wasn't identifying with these concepts that were out there this tough guy movement and this, this man up movement and the for the boys movement, uh, there was a lot of resistance for me in that space. So I was never fully integrated into it. I was sometimes on the cusp for sure. And I think there were things that I did sometimes that could have been perceived as for the boys, but it never felt good. Like you said, it never felt like you were doing the right thing. And where the bullying came in was I almost was an outcast 
mm-hmm. or at least that's how I felt inside. And so because I felt like that on in, in the inside, that's how I exuded my energy on the outside. So I was, I was bullied for that. And I was made out to be like this person who was wrong and just a weirdo. And why aren't you like us? And I was bullied on the bus one time just because I have a scar on my head, but I didn't have the, it in me to like fight back in a way because I didn't believe in that concept of fighting. And that's, that was that tough, tough man and tough man, man up space where I wasn't resonating with. Now there's a balance to that as an adult, but as a kid, you don't understand that and you don't know if you should fight back or not when most men do because you're just supposed to be angry, mm-hmm. right? And that rage part that you mentioned, I attached to. So we're opposite in that. I punched holes in walls when I was growing up because I didn't know how to express that as a man in the world. And I was fearful of that, of what that would look like. I was fearful of what I was capable of. So I just did it on my own, but it was still exemplifying that rage, right? That was right. almost my version of man up. Right. What kind of household did you grow up in though? Similar to yours. So I grew up fully with feminine energy. Okay. So I have three younger sisters. Uh, I have my mother and then I have my aunt and those are my constants in my life. And so obviously being surrounded by that energy, I had male figures here and there. Mm-hmm. I had my biological father. I had stepfathers and what I recognized is that I was more learning like what not to do from them than what to do. So I was trying to attach to the female side of things. I was taking a lot from my mom. She was teaching me a lot. Then my sisters taught me a lot, obviously, because I had to be empathetic to them coming into this world. And I'm the oldest. So I got to see all of them grow up and flourish and become the women that they are today. But I also got to see my mom do that and my aunt do that. And there was just a lot of circulating men. So mm-hmm. I never had a constant with that space. So I just kept searching it within the female space. So that's how I ended up growing up. And then I recognized that I continued to do that in the course of my life is try to identify it with women rather than men. Right. Cause it was so unhealthy for me. Something that came up to me while you were ta- talking there is I, I vividly remember writing on one of my basketballs when I was younger, feel every emotion show none. And damn, and I remember writing that and you wrote that on your basketball, wrote it on my basketball. It's like mantra. You, went, you went to the court and played with other people and they saw this ball. They used that same ball that said, feel every emotion and show none. And, and that was a demeanor Damn. that I felt like, you know, influencer th- at a younger age. The, f- <laughs> the fact that where were the hashtags? I needed the ground when I was younger, <laughs> man. I needed the ground. I was already, a, I was a poet. Um, and you didn't even know it. And I didn't even know it. <laughs> But to me, it's like what it, what it really highlights is the fact that I thought that that was normal. Mm-hmm. Like not only did I think that I was normal, I thought that that was the way. Like that was my mantra. And it, it played out in sports because it was like in sports to show your emotion to something only opens up a door of weakness a little bit. And that's what they kind of sell you, right? Is emotion if, equals if, weakness. If you are unraveling and you're showing that, then now I'm just going to really double down. So this, this neutral expression of, you know, like don't show anything and toughen up is really to protect your weakness or your blind spots from being exposed. Right? So in basketball, it's kind of like if you are being irritated by something, don't act irritated by it so that it stops. Or, you know, the second I know I'm getting into your head or the second I know I'm doing this, then you're starting to show me how I can like, you know, break you down um, as a player, ultimately as a man and that kind of thing. So it's, but when I think back, I'm like, is that really a good expression to kind of hold on to as a kid? Like you're a kid, because you're just going to naturally probably take that from basketball. You're going to move that into your normal life. And you're just going to start being that, you know, feel every emotion, show none. And then, then you're buying into what they say is I'm good. I'm good. I'm mm-hmm. good. I'm, I'm good. Then you're 28 and you're not good. And you're not good. 
you know? And that's what I feel like is, it's just interesting. Um, because those narratives, it's crazy how they play out. It's crazy how they play out those little things that we tell, you know, a, a young boy or, um, those little things that you hear when you're a kid, how they play out in your adult life is definitely interesting. And it really attests to the concept of having that man in your life at an early age and why having a father is so important in the process and why it has to have both of those energies involved is because it really impacts our growth and our ability to grow and our ability to be in this world and resonate with the characteristics of, of a man and also res, um, and respectfully with a woman. Mm-hmm. right being able to resonate with both and having that that balance almost of understanding your own feminine and masculine energy it's if it's not there you don't actually get a chance to learn it because i tried to learn that from my mom and she could only do so much right, right? she could only give so much of that space and then and does she fully know what you're feeling inside too right like as a right. boy as a man like she's going off of like the men that she knows in her life and she's going off of probably the best man that she's ever met and teaching you those skills kind of thing. But she ultimately would never knows how to feel like a man, you know, she can only understand. Right. And so it, there's a little bit of, I guess like limiting be, be like a word to you. Yeah, absolutely. Of what she could teach you. Yep. Um, Very limited. And I look at her space too. And she didn't have a lot of that healthy masculine. I mean, women can teach life. you a lot though. Am I going to take that? 100%. Women can teach you a lot about being a man, but can they paint the full picture? There's an element too that's that's missing for sure, mm. for sure. And it's not at fault. There's nothing inherently wrong with the process, but it is very vital that that space is there. And there's just certain characteristics that just end up being, that are naturally more prevalent in the man space of being a man. And if we aren't just are um, made aware of it or brought it into our space, um, then it'll be really difficult for us to learn. And when we grow up as a man, we're going to be pretty confused of who we are and what we identify with. So in that space then, I mean, you have so many influences coming in. You have obviously your family, then you have or family as in like your mother and your father and their differences. And then you have this idea of society and what it is. And then you have your own, right? There's so many facets of how do I go about entering into the space? When the confusing bit, by the, the way, <laughs> absolutely. That, that is why it was so confusing for me to navigate this whole space. Absolutely. And it's overwhelming. And so at some level you have to do trial and error. Yeah. I would imagine. And you have Big to time. make decisions. There's not making a decision is, still making a decision because you're choosing one way, right? So as far as like that, that basketball, feel the emotions, show non-space, that obviously played a role as well. How did all of that affect the way you acted growing up? Like let's say pre, pre-adult years, 18, you're growing up and you're taught all of these things. How did that, like what, what were some of the trial and errors that you did and how did that impact the way you interacted with other people growing up? A very prominent, I'll give you an example first because I feel like, feel like this example is perfect for when the moment for me clicked that the whole feel every emotion show none narrative is not it. Was in grade 12, I'm on the basketball team. I had a little bit more of like my best friend to this day. He was a little bit more on like the masculine side. He was the traditional, he's the best player on the basketball team. He's, you know, he's the leader. He's going to go out there. He's going to show all the real masculine traits. Mm. And we were best friends. And I was always kind of a little bit more on the opposite. My leadership style was way different to his. It's more emotional. It was a little bit more 
empathetic a little bit more. Let's let, let's learn it together versus, you know, I'm just going out of here and show you how to do it. Mm. Um, and I remember when we won a championship, I knew my leadership style that whole entire year was very much predicated on those phone calls after the game, calling the other teammates, seeing someone's like character being broken and going up to them and almost kind of correcting it and not like going in there with more emotion and more empathy and trying to lead through that channel. And my best friend being, you know, the star of the team, he was doing all the other opposite things, but we were both, we both, Javanize the team. We were both playing our roles in completely mm. different styles. But at the end of the day, he ended up winning, you know, the MVPs and he's and deserving all of that. He was by far the best player on the team. But my coach came up to me at like the end of the championship game and I was in the change room. He came up to me and he said, I hope you never think that just because Keith wins MVPs and he gets all the that what you do for this team is not appreciated or not seen mm. because your leadership style and your ability to connect with people on that deep of a level and care and show your passion through the way you do it. Those are the things that are going to ultimately lead to your success. And that's when it all hit me that this, this masculine whole, I could be who I need to be. I can feel the emotions and I can show them. And as long as I show them in a way that resonates with people, that I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good listener, that I'm empathetic, that I'm, I'm here, we're ultimately here to get a common goal done, that you can lead that way. And that you don't need to suppress those feelings. You don't need to suppress that feeling. You don't need to be the macho man to get something done. And that's, that's the moment where I realized I could do this a different way. Mm. It doesn't need to be this way. Yeesh. That doesn't speak volume as to who you are today. It's powerful. That was a great story. Yeah, that was experience. I don't think I could have asked for a better response to that question. That was that was definitely the moment. And I I, and I think it came at the best time in my life too. Mm. Grade twelve, when you're about to enter a chapter that's so confusing. Up until grade 12, everything's kind of prescribed to you, right? Like you go to school. You're told, you're told exactly what to do and when to do it. Follow, like just stay in line and get in line. Yeah. First year university or whatever that year is for you right after high school is when it gets so, so to me, that was a huge realization that I can live this way and it's okay and I can figure it out. Did you have a big moment in your life where it like it all came together or... Because, I mean, you were trying to figure it out too, right? Like, right. Yeah. And you know what's interesting and, and something that I want to address with everybody that's listening is, and I was talking about that moment where he kind of shifted from, we're going to use the words boy to man. It's kind of what happened there, right? And so what I want to prompt for all of you listening right now before we move forward is, have you come to the realization of when that was for you? And has it even happened for you yet? That was something that I had to come across this last couple of years going into this masculine space. I had to ask myself, did it even happen? I don't, I don't know because I've never asked myself the question, when did I become a man? And this is a very ritualistic process where for some of us, we're given that from our, from our fathers. And to be quite honest with you, I'm incredibly jealous of that because those people know exactly when it happened. They know the pinnacle point and they were almost granted this, this 
award almost this unspoken award where it's like you're a man and we know this now where because of the lack of fatherhood in the world mm-hmm. like my my experience right. that is very difficult to see now so i never knew mm-hmm. and so as far as that pinnacle moment goes i actually had to ask my family because i couldn't figure it out i didn't know when i made that shift i didn't know how i fell into that space and turns out that there was a pinnacle moment where I was considered more of a man in my family than I was a boy. And that happened Hmm. a year and a half or so ago. I think we're pushing two years now. My grandmother got sick Mm -hmm. uh, very rapidly and it ended up being cancer and she was given a very short time to live Uh, as in like a couple days. It was just so incredibly up onset and rapid. Obviously, it had been growing for a long time. And so I'm out in Toronto, there in BC. I had to fly out uh, last second. I had to cut out work. I had to cut out every obligation, and I just had to go. I knew I had to go. And when I showed up there, it was very limited family. It was my mother, my aunt, and that was, that was it. And showing up there, something in me knew I had a role to play. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know what to call it, but I knew that I was showing up and part of me had to do a lot more than just go there and be a part of a potential bad outcome or good outcome. I just knew that I was there and I had done so much self-work before that. So I showed up and I'm a Pisces. So for the astrology people out there, I'm an emotional human being. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, a, I'm a deep feeler. Uh, I'm a water sign. So that in itself tells you feeling deeply. So in those spaces, I don't work well with them. However, in that space, I didn't have to think about working well or not working well with it. I just did work well with it. And it turns out that that whole process was the first time in an actual experience that my mother looked at me and said, I don't have to worry about him right now. Mm. And I don't have to worry about him right now because he's actually worrying about me. And I never saw it that way until I asked her a year later and said, hey, was there ever a moment where you felt like I made the transition from boy to man? And she said it was that one. So I think that through this journey of us going through this podcast and giving you guys all this information, the, the purpose of this episode is going to be a lot of, or and is a lot of, when did that happen for you? And did it happen for you? And if it didn't, that's okay too. But it's just about understanding that for yourself and your journey and being willing to ask those questions about, with the people around you. Because I, I didn't know. I couldn't find it. And, and in your example, there's sometimes, sometimes things happen in life that get you to that point. It was almost a ritual. I was almost given an opportunity to be a part of a ritual that we're no longer a part of anymore. Mm-hmm. It's not like the history where they literally go into the forest. They're put on their own. They have to survive. And if they do survive... You come back and you're a man and there's a big celebration and everything is all joyous. But if you don't survive, you're not a man. We don't have that anymore. We don't. We don't know what that means. So we have to create it for ourselves because society hasn't done us for it either. So, and some people, some people, you know, when you said you showed up and you had to be in a role, some people show up to that role or that, that moment where they're like, they look around and they think I need to be something for this room right now. And I don't know what it is at a wildly young age. Right. Imagine if you, you, you know, you didn't have really a father and you, you, yeah. you're at seven, you looked around and you were like, 
No There's a role to play, and I need to play that role now. That's my. That's that's literally me. And that's that's a different. That's a different space to navigate. You know, oh, there's, yeah. there's, you're not ready for those. The legal drinking age is 18 <laughs> in most places and 19 in some places. And there's a reason why there's a number because there's a responsibility that comes, and with, that that, space. That comes with that space. Absolutely. When you're given something at seven or you're given something at 10 or, you know, it's sometimes you have to step into a role and you have to become a man too early. But it's not to think to yourself that you can redefine what that original role was for yourself. Companies always talk about there's a job description, but play outside your job description. Mm. Companies always talk about we base our job description around people, not the other way around. Mm. And so for you, whatever your job description, for every role you're playing in your family, it's okay to let that job description evolve. Evolve to something bigger. Mm Mm-hmm. Or evolve to something smaller. Maybe you're putting too much pressure on yourself to have to. I know there's a lot of men out there that struggle with the idea of, I need to be the provider. I need to do this. I need to do that. It has to come from me. Everything has to come from me. And that might be just too much stress to put putting on yourself. Yep. And Absolutely. so it's finding what role you're playing is one thing. And then just identifying what the responsibilities in that role are. And what could be changed. And what could be shifted. And what could be maneuvered around. Mm-hmm. Because... You don't need to be a certain character trait to have a role. No. And it always resorts back to me uh, asking myself the question, and this might be a little spiritual for some of you, but it's just asking myself, how can I be my highest self right now? And usually when I ask that question, the answer isn't something I come up with. It's usually something that just comes to me, and I know that's what I run with. So how can you guys be your highest self in those spaces all right so moving forward working off this nature versus nurture space there's another concept that comes up in masculinity and in the man's world and it's the idea of a good man and a real man yeah and the differences between the two and the confusion behind what they even mean yeah. So from your space and your research and your experiences, first and foremost, why, why is there even a difference? I think it's, it's kind of how it hits the ear sonically and where it comes from. And I think the, what's good about talking about the good man and real man kind of conversation is where it shows up. Who is saying it to you? Big one who is saying it to you, yep. And why are you, why are you grabbing yourself to it? Another way of doing it is like, you know, the the nice guy and what would the other person be called actually what would you the 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 like the badass or like the, oh, the like tough the, guy the, the bad guy side of the spectrum yeah. from nice yeah 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 it's tough guy uh bad boy nice guy finishes last right so for me the good man comes from the nice guy finishes last camp mm. a lot of the times when you get that compliment you get that compliment from someone who's a little bit more in tune with the the female energy. You're doing something caring. You're doing right. something empathetic. Right. Oh, he's a good guy. You get up when you know an older lady comes on the bus and they sit down and that behavior is seen as what a good man. Mm. But then when you go do something a little bit more, let's say, tough or strong or you know, if you suppress your feelings, what a real man, mm. what a real man. You're at, you're at a funeral and you're not crying and you're just holding it all in. Ooh. And what a real man. What a real He's a real man. man. 
Because he's not crying. Because he's not crying. He's a real man. Sheesh. So, so it's almost like if you think about it, what we gravitate to is how people are talking to us, how people are. And if you always get good man from you know things that are a little bit more empathetic, more caring, and you hear real man and things that are a little bit more masculine in nature, mm. then your association, oh, I'm a real man. Mm-hmm. Now you're defensive in a position, in an idea, in an ideology that to be a real man is to not cry. Right. And something that I'm attaching to contextually speaking is, you know, here we go. We got a little bit of a, a little bit of a, for the viewers, we'll fix that. We'll fix it. We'll get that back up. Don't worry. What I comes to mind is, you know, when you go into the, in, onto a bus, mm-hmm. right? You're getting onto a bus and you're sitting obviously because you don't want to stand when you're standing and, uh, a senior citizen comes on. Right. Right. Not everybody, but sometimes you have the inclination to, to get up and offer their seat. That's the respectful thing to do. You respect mm-hmm. your elders, right? And in that space, what I think of is if I were to get up and literally communicate to them, the seat is for you, their response, and actually from experience would be, oh, you're such a good man. And that makes you feel good to an extent but it doesn't really it doesn't really drive home for some reason right you feel good about your actions but then if someone were to come in and look at you from a distance and come over and be like oh you're a real man in that situation you'd be like what how does that represent real man i didn't do anything tough i didn't do anything aggressive exactly i didn't chop some wood like i didn't do those things exactly so again it almost adds to the element of confusion of like good man versus real man, but you nail it on the head. Who is saying it to you? That's where we resonate the most with it. Who? Family, friends, our partner. And then your expression and your reaction actually tells you a lot more about the, the, where it's coming from as well. You hear good man. Think about the demeanor you have when you hear that. You're just like, hmm, thanks. You know, mm. a bit, you hear real man chest comes up. You're, yeah. Yeah. You know? You're walking around the room. That, like, look at me. That's a compliment that you want to receive. Right. So how can we create an equal world where, or an equal feeling where you hear good man and you are equally as chest out. You're equally as, you're wearing that compliment equal to a real man compliment. Right. Because that's where there's a quiet division is I'm seeking more real man compliments and I, I don't really care for the good man compliments. I'm not here for the, the nice guy compliments because nice guys finish last or whatever narrative you're, you're subscribing to. Right. Because I want to be a real man. And Trying I think, to fit that mold. So debunking a little bit of that, that idea is a little bit, you're in the gym, you do something crazy, very masculine. Say you're, you know, you're benching 300 pounds, you put the bar up. Oh, real man. Hey, Ooh. you're a big man. Hey, Jeez. And it's, it's the way we feel about that, the way we feel about that, almost like what it's subconsciously doing is it makes you almost hide from the other stuff because right. you're just, it's the reward system. You're trying to fit into that storyline so much that you, you take those compliments way too high right? and you take the good man compliments way too low. right? And there's actually somewhere in the middle where you should accept those compliments both as equal because mm-hmm. really to be a real man is to be a good man. The end and, of the day. and to 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 add right onto that, like how many of you listening even know how to define a real man? What what does that mean? Is there a dictionary definition that we have out there that we're ready to go and to to rattle off because that's what we all are apparently? So if we all know that that's what we are, what does that mean? I couldn't tell you. I know what that is. And again, it's only it's it's socially constructed. 
good men and real men are socially constructed. They're just given to us as labels. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily define if we are or if we aren't. It's just what people perceive us as to be. So I agree. I think there's a nice little balance. And I think too, there's also a concept of like being good at being a man. Because now you're getting into a space of like, what does it mean to be a man rather than a good or a real man? Mm-hmm. You're getting into the space of what does it mean to just be a man? Again, boy to man psychology. It's like, what does that mean for us? So, and what did you get? What did you get more of when when you're when you were younger or even today? Did you did you hear one more than the other? Did you hear good man more than real man or nice guy or what? Are, what were some labels that people would try to describe you or put you in a box of a man? Like mm. they try to put you in a specific type of box. You're a mm. tough man or you're a nice guy or right. you're a bad you're a bad boy. You know what? What box did you get put in? <sighs> This one's interesting for me, and this is a space I've come across recently. It's the space that I was in, and I still sometimes find myself in, is my own story of how I think people see me as a man. Not how I actually am. Not what is the the actual truth or reality of it. But before they even get an opportunity to really know me, I am already asking myself the question, how do they see me as a man? Do they see me as a good man? Do they see me as a real man? Do they see me um, as the traditional man, as like this tough, like assertive, courageous person? Am I embodying that? And then I go into the own rabbit hole of probably not, or well, no, you've always been a nice guy, so they're definitely not seeing that. Or they probably think you're weak. Like it's a lot of it is just self story. So as far as was I told I was a good man or a real man throughout my life? I wouldn't necessarily say those terms were really in my space. I think if anything, it was just man. Hmm. But I knew the concept of nice guy. I knew the concept of nice guys finished last. I definitely felt like I was in that space where I was the nice guy who finished and potentially would finish last. But again, that was socially constructed story that I was telling myself that I just attached to. It wasn't the truth because being nice doesn't mean you finish last. It just means you're... But nine. man, did it feel like that when we were younger? It did like, feel like that. Oh, but the interesting man. part is there's a level of self-sabotage now mm-hmm. because you know the concept of nice guys finish last. So you already know, you've told yourself you're going to finish last. Right. Whether you are actually finishing first or not, it doesn't matter. So over time, you know this won't last. You know this won't be in your space for a long time because you're a nice guy mm-hmm. and you finish last. And you're going to go one of two ways with it too. So you can either take it on a challenge and say, well, I'm going to be a nice guy that finishes first. 100% flip the narrative. Or you ditch the nice guy narrative completely. You actually flip on your head and you go the other route and you say, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be a nice guy because they finished last. So I got to be the opposite of a nice exactly. guy. Exactly. You, you go the opposite side of the spectrum and you become a tough guy. Tough guy. And you become Less a jerk. Caring. A jerk. Yeah, a jerk. You know? A proper dickhead. Yeah. And like, we're not attacking anyone out there, but those are some of the terms that come on the other side of the spectrum when you're refusing to be anything other than nice. Mm-hmm. Or you just don't want to be nice. You don't want to be compassionate and empathetic because that's the nice guy qualities. So you're overly aggressive and dominant and that's all you are. That can come across pretty disrespectful sometimes because you're not respecting as a nice guy. You're disrespecting as a tough guy. You're on the opposite side of the spectrum. So yeah, it wasn't really a part of my space. Sometimes I was told I was growing into a, a strong man or something along those lines where I was just making that transition where they 
people from a distance thought that and saw that, but mm-hmm. that was more like the classic 18 year old kind of space where it's kind of just when it's quote unquote supposed to happen now. Cause that's the legal age of drinking and driving yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I definitely got the, the nice guy narrative yeah. really early. I think it was because I, I feel like my surroundings had a lot of different types of men. I like would hang out with big groups of guys. So there would be that it'd be very obvious to see the narratives. Mm. It wasn't, it wasn't as if you could pretend to not be your narrative because the other narrative was so apparent. Right. So if you're not that you're this, right. you know, so you, it's very easy to start associating things with certain people because if you're not that you're this. Right. And I just very early was just typically the nice guy. I'd be the, you know, try to break up the fight. Mm. You know, there'd be the people who try to throw the punches. There'd be people who try to break up the fight. Right. You break up the fight two times, you're the nice guy. You never want to see violence go down, right? right? Or you're trying to talk your way out of something. Or you're always trying to be the voice of reason. You're always trying to you're trying to figure out the another alternative way of getting the solution done mm. that is maybe not so immediate, not so triggered. Right. A little bit more thought out. Um. And I struggled with that. Yeah, that nice guy narrative was a tough one. Mm-hmm. You know, for, fortunately for me, I wasn't really an attractive kid as when I was younger. <laughs> Jeez. So it was I I I I took it as the nice the nice guy narrative wasn't as much the problem as I was like I'm just not attractive. Like I just uh, I'm just not getting you know. So it wasn't I couldn't buy into it that because if you were attractive and nice and losing, it might be a whole another psychology of uh. trying to dig it right. But if you're just I got braces, I got you know I'm not I don't really look the part. There was, it doesn't even matter if I'm a nice guy or a tough guy at this point. There's other problems in the way. There's other barricades that I got to get over. Um, so for me, it was just kind of comical. But as I kind of got older and in university and stuff like that, I got the braces off. You're starting to become a little bit more mature. Mm. You're starting to look a little bit more desirable. Then the narrative really started to change. Then mm. I got to see the nice guy narrative and you know the opposite of that really in full effect because mm. the attraction was there. I could get into these conversations in terms of maybe wanted to take another step with someone that you meet, but then it was what would get them in there? What wouldn't get them in there? Was the nice guy narrative working? Was it not working? That's when I think I really started to unpackage it a little bit. But at that point I was too, too in myself to change. Mm. So I was committed to, I'm going to be the nice guy that finishes first. Mm. And I just stuck onto that and lashed onto it because, but it'd be interesting to see if I maybe, maybe didn't have a mouthful of braces for eight years in, in high school just so just to clear things up guys if you have braces right now you are not unattractive hey, I just it's, to make it's sure all about all how you that. feel <laughs> it's all about how you it feel it is not what he's saying he is saying he thought he was unattractive with braces by the way my sister has completely straight teeth and she got braces for no reason so there's different problems for braces you can wear braces if you were just trying to fix a little something <laughs> I had to get jaw surgery. Let's put it at perspective. I had to get jaw surgery at the end of my, my process. So mm. had more to do than more to just do teeth. Than, uh, okay, it was got it, got complete, it, it. complete <laughs> mouth forming that had to get done. And braces was just one step of the equation. Mm. So, um, and also too, with guys with the nice guy complex growing up with that as something like you're embodying. I mean, I look back and yeah, I consider myself a nice guy, but that doesn't mean I didn't make mistakes. It doesn't mean that sometimes I wasn't the nice guy. And I even recognized times where I felt like the nice guy was the wrong thing to do. That's so well said. I went into the not so nice guy space mm-hmm. and I did some, some things I did not resonate with, but I did them because I felt pressured to even not even pressure from someone who was telling me to do it. It was the fact that I saw other people do it represented that as what it meant to be a guy or a man and just did them anyway. So we just want to make sure you guys know, like, in this space, 
there's always room for mistakes on both sides. Whether you consider yourself a good man, a real man, a nice guy, a tough guy, whatever, there's mistakes will happen. And that's not what we're saying is that you're perfect. That you're, as if you're a nice guy, you have it all figured out. Cause we don't. It's just the space of, you know, how are you identifying with it? Who is it coming from? And why is it resonating with you so much? And does it actually force resistance or does it sound like, does it feel like it flows? When someone calls you a tough guy, does it flow? Does the energy flow with you? Or does it feel awkward? Does it feel weird? And if someone calls you a nice guy, does it flow? Or does it feel weird? And, and how, does, how does that affect those that you're around as well? How does that affect how you treat them? Be, be conscious of your reaction, other people's reaction to how you're, you're showing up. Yeah. If, if you're causing more harm than good with your behavior, then it's probably time to subscribe to something different. Try a different route. All right, gentlemen. So that's the podcast for today. But before we go, every episode, we want to leave you with what we call a PQ. And PQ stands for powerful question. We want to leave you with a question to ponder, to think about leading into the next episode. So this week's PQ for you is, who taught you how to be a man? Who taught you how to be a man in your life? Think about that, ponder on that, ask yourself that question, and we will talk about it in the next episode. Fellas, 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 thank you for joining us on another episode of the Modern Masculinity Podcast. If you haven't yet, please download, subscribe, leave a review. But most importantly, if you took any value out of this episode or you enjoyed this episode, please post and share with your close family and friends. You can follow us at our online IG account, which is at Modern Masculinity. Make sure the C is a K. Remember, we're trying to represent the mask that men wear. So at Modern Masculinity Podcast. You can also follow us on our private socials. Mine is at Coach Kyle Rushton. And mine is Anwar Ahmed 4. And uh, any kind of post share that you do helps us kind of build this community one listener at a time. So we appreciate um, all your efforts. And remember, we're here with you. And we are standing tall beside you in this arena of misunderstood masculinity. Until next time, peace.